Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and welcome to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dads with Daughters. Really excited to be here with all of you as we meet another dad. Michael Mirza is joining us today. And Michael lives in the Chicagoland area with his daughter and his family. Works for a large church there in the area. We're going to learn a little more about him and his experience in being a father. But Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Chris. Thank you so much. Looking forward to this time together. I also am looking forward to talking to you and learning more about you as a dad, because all of us father in a little bit different ways. And I like to to start out these shows just a little bit uh, of getting a sense of you as a dad. So think back. I know your daughter is two, so still in the early stages. I've got my middle and high schoolers now, so the, the time goes by fast. Yeah. But when you think back to the first time that you ever found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter what was that reaction i specifically finding out that it was going that i was going to have a daughter was a delight and also a little scary obviously as a man it's a foreign world to to raise a young girl into a woman but i think especially in today's world there are a lot of aspects of raising a young woman that are challenging that I still have a lot to learn about. So it's foreign to me. It's not my world. And it really requires me to do a lot of learning as much as I'll be doing teaching. Now, every father is busy in different ways. And one of the things that I think we all can learn from each other is, is about balance. So how do you balance being a dad, a husband, an employee working for a large church where you're you're very busy as well. So how do you balance all of that? I think this is an area where my wife and I have really had to figure out how to be partners in ways that play on each other's strengths that are mindful of each other's needs. And so we've had to do a lot of communication about how to ensure that we're each giving what we can, but also take uh, when we need time, when we need space. So we've got various different systems we've used to navigate that. For example, one is, this may sound overly complex and unnecessary to some, but it's been a saving grace for us, is to balance the fatigue of parenting and also the joys of it. We have a system where we call it our 2-2-2 system, where each week she gets two nights out, I get two nights out, and then we have two nights that we dedicate as family nights or nights to each other. And then the seventh night is the floater night for filling in as necessary. But that's been really helpful for ensuring that neither of us is doing way more of the parenting than should be, and also ensures that we're each getting equal time with our daughter, as well as time with friends, time out solo. I'm an extrovert, so I usually use my nights out to be with friends. My wife prefers to, is an introvert, uses her nights to read a book, but she'll see some friends as well. The point is, that system has really ensured as much as we can equality, and we try to keep it as equal as possible of who's doing solo parenting and how much we're doing time as a family of three as well. Completely understand. And I think having that open communication with your partner is so important to be able to know what they need to be able to keep that balance for themselves. That's a great idea. And in not getting so lost in being just a parent that you lose track of the relationship with not only your partner, but also your relationship with others. 
and your friends and kind of losing a little bit of the sense of self in, in aspects. Thank you for saying that. The most difficult transition for me into fatherhood was the way it changed my social identity, which I held quite dearly, really having to step back my availability for friends and family. And that change, that was difficult for a season and really having your priorities completely flipped upside down in a cataclysmic way. But also, as many people will tell you, as any uh, parent will pass along, that parenting is both the most difficult and taxing and the most joyful and fulfilling role one of that you can have. So it's both sides of it. And on the other side, the beauty of it is parenting together, raising a young girl has required my wife and I to partner together and work as a team in ways we never had to before. It required us to step to a new level of communication, of mutual sacrifice, of really stepping into uncomfortable situations and needing to be humble and process and evaluate along the way. Uh, so it's really raised the bar for the entire family of what it asks of us. Now, I want to go into that a little bit because, you know, I think that every couple has to do that. And, and even if you are parenting alone, you have to do that in many ways too. But when you're in a relationship with someone else and you're raising a child together and you have to figure out that communication with one another, what were some of the steps that you initially went through that helped you to, I'm going to say, clear the slate to be able to build from that? and build beyond that to where you are today. It's somewhat trendy now, but we have found a lot of help in an emotional framework called the Enneagram. You may be familiar with it. For those who are not familiar, the Enneagram is a system that types personalities, but it's much more than just a personality test. It's a framework that helps understand nine different ways that people can typically engage the world. And more specifically, it highlights what motivates different types of people as well as what uh, is sort of a source of anxiety or discomfort for dis different types of people. My wife and I are two different types. And we have found a lot of helpful language for why we experience things the way we do, why one thing might upset us and one, one thing doesn't, uh, why one or the other may not be upset by the same things, trying to understand what do I really need in this moment? Why did I approach it this way? We found a lot of help in the Enneagram as a really helpful system. So the book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram was very helpful. Beyond that, I think we really had to start at ground zero and recognize that we needed to talk to people who are wiser than us, people who had been down this road of parenting our own parents, as well as friends who are parents. My wife did a lot of reading and research. I did a lot of conversing and talking to people and asking about their triumphs and trials, if you will, of how to do this and what they've learned along the way, what advice they were passed along. And that was all incredibly helpful, at the very least, to know that we weren't alone. Of course, there's no amount of advice or reading that can truly prep you for what this experience of parenting is like. But we took a lot of comfort in recognizing that there that people have been figuring this out for thousands upon thousands of years. And we thought we probably have what it takes in us already. But the, the advice of friends helped us have the courage to unlock it. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that uh, knowing things about your partner is important. There's lots of ways to do that, but to have more resources at our fingertips is always an important thing to be able to do and to share. And I'll put a link in the notes today so that everyone can find that book for themselves. Now, today, 
one of the things that that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about faith and we're going to talk about faith journeys. Now, for for those of you that may not partake in going to church or a religion, don't tune out because I think that every one of us has different beliefs. We all have different beliefs that we hold dear to ourselves, whether it be a, a religious calling, a religious piece of our life and a faith journey of that aspect. We also all have some type of journey that we go on by ourselves to be able to be better dads. And, uh, and so just keep listening. So, but today, well, one of the things that Michael and I were talking about is that we, that Michael wants to share a little bit about the journey that he is on to be able to share his own faith with his daughter. And I thought that would be an interesting conversation because all of, like I said, all of us go through this type of uh, a journey on our own to be able to figure out what do we want to share? What do we not want to share? How do we want to share it? And for Michael, his religious faith is something that's important to him and his family. And he wants to be able to share that with his daughter. And his daughter is young right now. So we have to keep that in mind. But that there are things that he hopes to be able to share as she gets older. So to start off today, Michael, why is sharing your faith with your daughter so important to you? I think one of the core responsibilities of raising a daughter and raising a child in general is that we have a responsibility to teach our children how to navigate the world. They don't come out understanding what is good, what is dangerous, and we do our best to give them a framework to engage the world. So as simple as teaching to say thank you and say please and say would help them understand what is appropriate to do what could trying to prevent them from getting hurt in any way parents have the responsibility of guiding their children into understanding how to navigate this world and so sometimes that involves having to say no having to say yes things that doesn't always make you your child's best friend, but it helps you act in their best interest. So in that mindset, for me, passing on my faith is a way of offering a value system and a paradigm that I have found helpful for navigating the world. It's saying, I've seen these things to be good. I've seen these things to be true insofar as I've experienced them so far. And I want to offer them to you so that you might have a lens to engage the world, that you might have a way of assessing morality and motivation and purpose. So it's trying to offer helpful resources and tools to my daughter. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that all of us have different uh, tools that we need to be able to impart in our in our kids and in being able to find ways to be able to do that, whether it be through a organized activity, organized religion, organized activity of some other sort or some other aspect. We all need that in some ways. Now, when you think about sharing your faith with your daughter, what do you hope to start doing from an early age to start this process? So as you said, my, my daughter is two years old. She doesn't have any sort of capability of grasping abstract theology. She has very tangible, limited view in front of her. But to me, the advantage of starting early in offering experiences is to start modeling what this lifestyle can look like. The lifestyle of participating in a faith community instead of just doing this alone in our home, which is an okay approach too for many people. For us, it's a choice of wanting her to experience a broader community beyond just our family and saying, look at these people who care about you, 
who want to see you thrive, who want to see you grow, and demonstrating this is what life looks like when you do life with other people in a church community, in a faith community. So it's giving little glimpses, and hopefully by instilling it at a very young age, we are giving the chance for them to become comfortable and safe and approachable and familiar so that as she gets older and as you know part of as far as i can tell what will be one of the continuously difficult parts of parenting is the fact that the older your children get the more the less and less control you have you are continuously releasing control and as part of that we want to offer a a way to be familiar and say, this is not a foreign space. This is a space that you are welcome in and thus you can engage in it. And yeah, so I I think that it's trying to demonstrate little bite-sized ways to get involved. Teaching songs, offering prayers, participating in events. It's showing them this is what you could have. And as you get older, you're going to have more and more freedom to choose whether or not this is something that's still for you. Because the older she gets, the less I can have any influence on whether or not that faith journey will be her own. To be too heavy-handed about that is really a recipe for, in many situations, for a, a total rebellion and turning away because it's not something they chose for themselves. And so it doesn't, it doesn't genuine. So in order for it to be genuine, we want to offer exposure but freedom at the same time. Now, your daughter's still young. And one of the things with that that I, I want to I ask you about is I want you to think say 10 years down the road, 13, 14 years down the road when your daughter is a teenager and it, maybe she comes to you and starts to say, I don't believe the way that you believe, or um, I'm not internalizing this in that way. And she may not use the same words, but think about that and how would you react to that? And what would you say to her if you have a child that is saying those things to you that may be contrary to the way that you've raised her. I'm sure that some aspect of that conversation could or will come up. The most important thing before I would say anything else to my then teenager would be to make sure that she understood that my love for her and my presence in her life is not dependent on whether or not she believes the same things as me. I would need her to know up front before I said anything else that there's nothing she could say about my faith, about her faith, that was ever going to cause me to sever my relationship with her. Or that sounds, that's way too dramatic, but even less, that I would hold anything against her, that I would be bitter towards her. I would need her to know that my love for her is unconditional and that, that that's where we're starting from. It's a tricky one because I think part of me would want to model and be able to express, hey, I am sad about that. This was something I had hoped we would share together, but also I love you all the same. But I also don't know, and you can tell me as a father of teenagers, whether or not that's a type of conversation that would be appropriate or not. That might be one that's more, that type of conversation might be better for a peer or for a partner. But if not that, I would do my best to see if there's any aspect of the framework that we had and taught that she still found valuable and try to point her to other ways she could access that. So for example, it's a very common that people will say, I really appreciated the communal aspect of a faith community, but the theology or the belief system didn't click with me or I clashed with. And so if that happened, I would say, okay, well, let's explore other ways where you can find um, helpful, supportive community, if not in this faith context, and try to offer point to the ways that she could be fulfilled in other ways that 
church or faith may have been doing that prior. So if that comes up, I hope I will be able to approach it similarly to that. But you tell me uh, as someone who's farther along the road, if any of that doesn't sound like it's going to work at all. I think that being open and being honest with your with your child is definitely something that you have to do because as you raise them in a certain way, there definitely is something internal to yourself that you hope that they are taking in the things that you're learning. And if they start to challenge it, which they will in those teenage years, it sometimes it sometimes hits hits hard. You know, it's, it's it hits hard. It hits home, and you do have to be open and honest and be willing to not put down what they're saying in any sense or negate how they're feeling about things. And that's something that's not always easy. And it's not always easy. So you have to keep that in mind is that you have to step back and know that this person that you are raising is going to become their own adult. And the more that you push them, as you said, the more that you push them in a certain direction, the more, especially in their teenage years, they're going to push back and, and it's going to push them even further away, uh, away from you and away from the things that you may have, may have uh, taught them or um, introduced them to throughout the years. That so, makes sense. That makes sense. I think for me, a core posture that I do my best to, to embody now and would hope to carry into a, a conversation like that is as much as I maintain my faith in a way that with conviction that I believe this is good, I believe this is true, I want to move forward with giving this belief system authority in my life, as much as I try to do that, I try to also maintain the sense that I might be wrong about all of this. And I hope to embody and model humility in that, that hopefully my daughter would see and uh, respect that hopefully she sees that I'm willing to be wrong. And I'm willing to say, I'm moving forward with this because I see it to be true. And as I've tested the waters, I, I think it's worth sticking with, but I might be wrong about all of this. And I think that's a key posture of faith that I've found really in a weird way, actually really comforting. I think that idea may sound scary to some, like you want me to be okay with my faith being wrong? That might be unsettling. And so I, I respect that not everyone is there or wants to be there or might may see that as an admirable trait. But to me, that humility opens up the possibility of not needing to find so much worth and security in clasping to the, the concept that I've got what's right and I need everyone else to know it. it. It's really, I'm moving forward with it because I've seen it to be the best thing that I've found, but I might be wrong about all of it. And I hope that that humility would be a trust building bridge between me and my daughter. I love that concept. Now, you know, faith and belief can definitely be different for all dads. I mentioned that at the beginning. And I guess for me, how can dads help their kids to understand that the beliefs of one family may be different than another family, but that acceptance is key in our society today? Uh, there's a metaphor that, I, that someone shared with me that I think might be helpful here. Imagine an art museum and there's a big room where in the center of the room, there's an elaborate statue of some sort. It's massive. It's 20 feet tall. It's on a huge pedestal, and it's very ornate. There's details all over the place. It's hundreds of years old, and it's 
been miraculously preserved and restored. And now it lives in this museum and it's in the center of the room. You can walk all around it and take a look at it. Each person in that room looking at this magnificent statue is going to notice different details. And some people will be at the front, very close to the statue, noticing things in the really fine details. And others will be in the back. There will be lots of people in front of them. And they'll be kind of viewing from the distance and trying to see over the crowd. And some will be in one corner of the room and others will be on the other side. Some are looking at the front, some are looking at the back. But each person in that room is looking at the same statue and interpreting it and watching others in the room interpret it. For me, the approach to life is a lot like that, in which I, in my faith community, at my church that I work at, and my friends who share similar beliefs, friends and family, we may share a view of life, of the statue, if you will, um, from one particular angle. And that's really helpful for us. We love that side of the statue. But we also have a lot to learn from others who are looking at that statue elsewhere in the room and to hear, oh, what are you noticing? What are you seeing? And what exactly the statue is in the metaphor is up for interpretation, whether it's God, the divine, or a sense of purpose about life, whatever the statue represents. The point here is that I need the perspective of others in the room to get a more well-rounded picture. I need to know what people are seeing that I'm not to help shape a more cohesive picture for myself as I view this thing in the center. And again, the thing is could be any number of things, but in a faith context, it's likely some aspect of God or the divine. And that's the way I, w- I think I would try to share that with my daughter, maybe even take a trip to the museum and, and use that as a as a learning moment and share, you know, you see the statue here. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but that's something that came to mind for me. No, I appreciate that. I think that we all do look at life in different ways, in, in, this, in society in different ways, in, you know, the things that we are involved in, the th- way that we are raised, the way that we interact with others all help us to be able to frame what we are seeing and how we are then sharing that with our own children. So I appreciate you sharing that. Now, we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our Fatherhood Five, where we like to ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a father. Okay, I'm excited. So first and foremost, in one word, and it could be two, I guess, what is fatherhood? Sacrifice. When was a time that, and it maybe still in the future, that you finally felt that you succeeded as a father to a daughter? Again, my experience is limited because she's young. But one story briefly that comes to mind is we've tried to teach her consent and uh, agency over her body very young. So one way is that with friends and family who might in, with the best of intentions, ask for a hug or ask for, you know, some kind of affection. And for various different reasons, she may be not wanting to give that hug or affection in that moment. Um, I think a victory I have felt is when she does that, not putting any kind of shame on her or and um, not apologizing for that and saying, that's okay, you don't have to give a hug if you don't want to. And just letting that be the final word on that. Now, how do you hope that your daughter would describe you as a father? (laughs) I would hope she finds me playful, funny, 
doesn't yet appreciate dad jokes in the traditional sense. I think beyond that, I really hope she would describe me as reliable, that she knows that when she needs me, I, I will be there and I will come running other than when she's clearly using stalling tactics to put off nap time. But beyond that, that in a true situation of crisis, that she would know that without a doubt, I will come running. She's just trying to spend more time with you. She's yes, she is. she is. But dad needs to rest too. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, who inspired you to be a better dad? Well, my own father is an incredible example of, of everything I just described. He really demonstrated that there was no need or request that I could ask that was too much, that he would always be available when I didn't know where to go or what to do. Uh, so my own father is a wonderful example. I have learned a lot from many of my friends who are parenting kids who are older than me, and each one of them has wisdom that I have really benefited from. And then bringing it full circle back to the faith context, uh, I find a lot of models in the heroes of the Christian faith, and as well as pastors and teachers, men and women of, of the faith who have been uh, down this road farther than me, who are also familiar with my religious framework, and their approach is really amazing to me. And so that's one of the benefits of working at a church that it spans generations, is there are so many people who have done this in different ways and different seasons that I can go to and ask and who are uh, so happy to share wisdom. So I'm very fortunate to have an abundance of strong, good parents and fathers around me. And especially being in a city in Ch like Chicago, it's very easy to have access to lots of different kinds of ideas and resources for how to raise a daughter in the 21st century in ways that are healthy and balanced. And finally, what advice would you give to other dads? I used the word sacrifice earlier. You said one word. The reason I use the word sacrifice is that I, I really think parenting will ask new things of you that nothing else in life has ever asked you for. No job or other relationship asks of you in the same way that parenting and parenting a daughter does. But my advice would be to recognize in some way, whatever it takes, whether it's trying to think about 20 years ahead of time or if it's looking at examples around you, but trying to recognize that that sacrifice, as tiring as it sometimes may be, as discouraging as it can be, is also one that is so beautiful and so unique. And that there are many titles people can give you, um, friend, boss, whatever, but there's only one or a handful of people who get to give you the title of dad. And that's a really special thing that only those people get to give you that title. And that's really worth honoring in a special way. I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you being on today. If there are people that have in, an interest in learning more about you or things that you're doing, is there a great place for them to find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. And then if you find yourself in Chicago, you'd be welcome to come visit the church that I work at. It's, it's right on Michigan Avenue. It's called Fourth Presbyterian Church. And we welcome guests from all over the world. So if you want to come and meet up and grab lunch sometime, I'd be happy to connect. I appreciate it. And thank you again. Chris, thank you so much for your time. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information 
that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be